to the channel, once a month I sit down with somebody from Hong Kong and we talk about things about Hong Kong. So in this episode, I'm chatting with a young lady called Eunice. She lives in Hong Kong. She's really interested in American culture. And as a way of getting to know me, it's a very unorthodox way, but I like it. She agreed to sit down and interview me, sort of, about my views about what it's like to live here or my perceptions of what it's like to be here living as a non-Asian person in a mostly Asian culture. So we're going to spend about 50 minutes chatting with each other. And this is actually part one. I'm not going to label it as part one of two, but probably next month we'll meet up and then I get to ask her some questions for this channel. We talk about some of the differences between Western and Eastern culture, whether one is more, whether one is more open-minded than the other, the issue of conformity, uh, gender stereotypes and stereotypes in general, and whether, because for me, a lot of the issues that maybe are being brought up are because of an American sort of view or interest from Eunice that I don't think is applicable here. Or it's something coincidentally that I'm just not trying to interest myself in as much because I want to involve myself in domestic political issues or issues of, of a personal nature in Hong Kong. So sit back and enjoy because it's a long one. Why don't you introduce the idea that, as to why you wanted to ask me these questions? So I'm coaching her live on Periscope. Yeah, I'm like not that professional. Um, so, like when, so like a few of you have been following me for a while, and um, I I always title um, Hong Kong blah 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 when I scope, and then I could be scoping like a botanical garden, and people can be asking me political stuff about Hong Kong. So I figured that if my viewers are interested in politics in Hong Kong and China or in Asia, then maybe I should tell more about it. And I figured it would be like a lot more interesting if I have like someone else's perspective who is like a non-local. Um, so we have this set up today to like discuss like... Um, but Asian why did you want to ask me these questions? I see these questions. The first few questions are kind of simple. Like they don't really get into like politics and stuff. It just talks about your views on like Asian culture. And then after those questions, it's more like we touch on the like more sensitive topics. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. But, but why, um, why, why is it important to ask me these questions? Why is it important? Because I'm, I'm asking her questions before she asks me these fucking questions. <laughs> because <laughs> Can we swear I, on your Periscope? I know, yeah, oh, okay. be, because I noticed that a lot of scopers actually refrain from talking about political stuff. And I figured that it's important to talk about politics if you want, if you want to get like people's attention and like if you really want to improve like your, not improve, like you can't really do much with like a broadcast, but if you want to um, like, what, what, how, how do I wear that? Um, if you want to, if you want people to pay attention to like stuff, um, don't leave. Oh, this no, is. I'm, I'm putting the icon. It's okay. still too hot. Um, yeah, like to get people's attention and stuff. Okay. Mhm. Mm right. Everyone's been here now for six minutes. So Go on and ask, yeah. ask your questions then. Yeah. To what extent do you think there is a drastic difference between Asian and Western cultures? My answer to that is: What are we measuring? You said it's a simple question, but I don't think it's actually a simple question. What mm -hmm. is it specifically do you want to address when it comes to differences? Uh, differences, so... Obviously language is different, 
manners are different. I mean, we can touch on manners straight away in a sense that people don't smile here when you when you work in retail. Mm -hmm. The retail officers don't don't smile, mm -hmm. um, and they typically don't say please and thank you. And people can Westerners can come away from Hong Kong thinking, oh, they're all really rude in Hong Kong mm -hmm. when really you're judging Hong Kong's the Hong Kong people by Western standards mm -hmm. of civility. Mm -hmm. But you have the right to do that though, because like that's how you notice the difference, like in terms of culture. Well, you have a right to judge another culture by your own standards. So you're measuring them by your own standards and not their standards, even though you're in their country. Is that what you're saying? You're you're in their country, but you can. You're in your you're in their country, but you're saying, if I say it's an American, uh -huh. these are, I'll measure this country by my standards, and they're being rude to me, while I'm in their country. Is that appropriate? It's not <laughs> really judging. It's like noticing the difference, though. Yeah, you can notice the difference, but then you can't. You shouldn't walk away and say they were all fucking rude. Mm -hmm. When if you spoke to a local, you had a local guide, and they would explain, then your ego would be taken out of the equation. You would think. Oh yeah, they do things differently. They don't say please and thank you, and your expectations are, are lower. But I feel like first you need to understand where they're coming from. Though. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Why they're doing that? That's what I'm saying. So if you understand, mm -hmm. then you won't you won't judge them as being rude. You just mm -hmm. know they're just different. Okay. So how about like this for this question? Let's talk about like beliefs or like value systems or um, if they're open-minded or close-minded or like just what you think about the difference. Is it beneficial? Like, like Asian cultures are said to be like close-minded. Do you think it's beneficial or act actually detrimental? So like, you're jumping to the next question, <laughs> and the first Nervous. question okay. still has a lot of meat to it. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, you can talk about the first question then. Because when it comes to that difference, uh huh. You know, understanding a culture disarms any apprehensions you might have about that culture. Uh huh. Surely. You can see, you know that you can see that, right? So, like when I went to Russia last year, I was really scared of going to Russia because of what I learned from the media. Mm -hmm. But when I went to Russia, I survived. I'm here, but then I have now had the attitude that Russia is one of the best places in the world to visit. Are those super hearts for me? I guess not. Um, it's one of the best places to visit, and I would gladly go again mm -hmm. because I really enjoyed myself. My mind changed because I actually went there. And soaked up some of the culture. Again, mm -hmm. someone could have been there with me and explained a little bit more. I could have got deeper. Mm -hmm. But my impression was the media is lying to me. There's always this negative idea that they're going to hurt everybody. Of course, I understand that. One, I'm not gay. I'm not black. So that removes a lot of problems um, if you're going to go there as those two uh, minorities. But as a white person, I, had, I have nothing to fear and I had a really nice time. Mm -hmm. Right? But, so it's about one, it's about going there and, and then. Or being open-minded to understand it. And, mm -hmm. and when you say on the next question, are people open-minded? It's unfair to sort of just point the finger at them and say, are they open-minded? Because are we open-minded ourselves? Mm -hmm. Because we judge them yeah. on our standards still. So you've got this sort of oxymoron catch-22 situation mm -hmm. where you can say, oh, they're closed-minded. But again, we're being closed-minded because we're measuring them by our standards. It also depends on where you're from, actually. If you're a white person, like going to Asia, then you may experience a kind of like pressure or like a sense of like you're kind of what do I call it? You're trapped in their culture because Asian culture is kind of like more close minded. But if you are, yeah, keep, uh, keep talking, but I'm not jumping, like I'm no, making my point. Someone asked the question, so I'm so I don't interrupt you, I give them the question, yeah, and then if um. If you're actually an Asian going to, let's say, America, then 
you're actually experiencing a lot of like stimuli or like open-mindedness. Um, so I'm going to repeat the first question. It is, to what extent do you think there is a drastic difference between Asian and Western cultures? Um, yeah, that's kind of like my point of view. But have I answered that question? Or are we just starting to answer that question? Because are there drastic differences? You look at this word drastic. Mm -hmm. What is drastic, really? Uh, this is a modern city. It's very uh, British in design. So it's not that drastic in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. But if you jump into China, then things are going to get drastically different. Mm -hmm. But people still do the same things. When I went to Xinjiang last month for the first time, the first things I saw was like a Puma store, an Adidas store, uh, and a, and a Pizza Hut probably. And those are all imported um, uh, things that we can consume. We're all consuming the same things. That's not really different. Promotional sales might be different if you want to get dig, dig down into deep of it and get boring with it. But we're all buying the same stuff. But what is that difference that you're looking for exactly? Because, that difference in terms yeah. of like thinking or lifestyles or just basically like how, like your perspectives on different things. Ultimately, we all want to be happy and we just get about trying to achieve happiness through different means. So we so, all have d different definitions of what happiness is then. If do you, you see it, it like expressed that. in a different way? In China compared to the United States, for example? In terms of, I'm going to give you an example. We all want to watch TV. We all want to relax. Uh -huh. there's, no, there's no real difference, but how we get about it is going to be different. There's a, if you talk about differences, then look at the Asian work ethic. Mm -hmm. And that's actually become a stereotype. Uh, in some ways, it's insulting, but it's in some ways congratulatory of Asian cultures, mm -hmm. where Asian people will work harder to get something. Uh, over here, it's, it's just reinforced by everybody else wanting to compete with them. Mm -hmm. Whereas at the moment in America, you know, you're sort of held back in Harvard, for example, and they make it even harder for the Asians because Asians don't take the time to complain. That is a drastic difference because mm -hmm. Westerners will complain a lot more about things to get what they want. Whereas Asians are just like, right, let's put the head down and work even harder. And mm -hmm. so they actually, in that sense, with, with the whole Harvard situation, they are they aren't fighting for themselves directly. They're sort of being more passive by just working even harder mm -hmm. to their detriment in that example. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like another drastic difference then, like in terms of like mm -hmm. work ethic and stuff. I don't think it's drastic, but I do think it's significant because probably as, as a generalized group of people on the whole, they are working harder for the things that they want. Mm -hmm. but, maybe, but then if you want to dig in deeper, is the media part of this narrative where they're saying, well, Westerners aren't, aren't as hard working when a lot of the technology innovations are actually happening mm -hmm. in uh, the West Coast of America, for example, mm -hmm. uh, apart from a few you know, outliers like DJI or in payment. Uh, options for apps and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the West, we wouldn't have the internet. We wouldn't have yeah. iOS, for example. You know, we wouldn't mm -hmm. have the Apple company doing things. So there are outliers. We American live out in neighborhoods, but in China they live up in buildings. That's uh, see when you ask me that question about drastic differences, I would say I would I know sort of splitting hairs, but significant differences. Though so people do live in apartments here. Uh, they Maybe are, I should have worded the question significant difference instead of like drastic difference. Yeah, but they, so the idea of community is different, expectations are different, people mm -hmm. have to live together in a much more confined space. Yeah. Uh, you, but then because of that, the life expectancy in Hong Kong was now third or for three or four of the last years. 
higher than anywhere else in the world. And part of that is maybe because a lot of people eat meat here. Um, and the other one is because social bonds are stronger and we all, we all sort of get on with one another. But saying that, Hong Kong is like 92% Chinese. So there's hardly any ethnic minorities or this idea that another minority is taking over the neighborhood. There's hardly any angst. So there's a lot of social co cohesion here, more so than probably in Western countries that have opened up their borders to, to immigrants. Not saying immigrants are a bad thing, but people do take offense at someone else being different, which goes back to the beginning of the I'm conversation. Back to Denver, though. When I don't you judge think... people by their differences, uh -huh. by yours, and because with your own inbuilt cultural standards. You say that there's like a sense of social cohesion in Hong Kong, and I don't feel that as a local. Like you remember, well, you remember like the Umbrella Revolution, right? Like there's a lot of conflicts in recent years between Hong Kongers and like mainlanders. And we call them what, like worms? Like Hong Kongers refer to like mainlanders as like a, a really offensive term. And then- Locusts, I think is the, I've never heard of worms, but okay, go on. Yeah, and then um, mainlanders kind of discriminate against Hong Kongers when we are rude to them. So it's kind of like a, there's this huge conflict between Hong Kongers and mainlanders. And but again, that's, that's, a, that's a microcosm of what we just talked about, whereby Hong Kongers are judging Chinese people by their own standards. It's, it's just another mini example of what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. They're not looking at... So, so if the mainlanders come here and piss on the streets, that's because a lot of these Chinese have all of a sudden been given, given a lot of wealth, but they haven't necessarily been taught in the same ways how to deal with that wealth. Um, so if they piss on the streets, it's because they just need to release. They don't realize that there's public toilets probably because their own environment. Mm -hmm. there's, there are no public facilities like we have in Hong Kong. Now we can tell them and complain and eventually some of them will learn. You hear it now where people are on these social media uh, platforms in China where they're getting upset at the behavior of other Chinese people. That wasn't happening five years ago. Mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that outcry and now they're, now they're doing it. Um, even in Sweden now, uh, there's some Chinese people who are picked up by the Swedish police. And people are not being critical of Sweden, they're being critical of their own Chinese kind because of their behavior, because they've learned, oh, we shouldn't do that in foreign countries. But to go back a little bit more, when we talk about social cohesion, I'm talking about internal to Hong Kong. I don't mean visitors coming to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. But you address a point anyway that Chinese and yeah. Hong Kong Chinese are culturally a little bit different. Mm -hmm. they've, they've split up a little bit. So there is some, there is some disconnect or some uh, conflict there. Mm -hmm. But I just mean inside, amongst Hong Kong people, mm -hmm. everybody just gets on with one another. Yeah. And yeah. you don't have those problems mm -hmm. that you might have in the West where, oh my God, some black people are moving in or some, uh, some Syrians are moving in mm -hmm. and they're sponging off the state, mm -hmm. right? You don't mm -hmm. have that conversation here. Yeah, so like Hong Kongers mm -hmm. kind of work towards the same goal or like ambition. Um. You can't even be against Muslims here because they import Muslim workers to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. They actually have an entire industry dedicated to like immigrants or like people of a specific race. Um, so that's that. Well, what is that? Don't distract yourself with the comments. Focus on that point. Um, like I work in the hospital as an intern, right? And mm. then um, I'm not going to talk about Hong Kong internally. I'm going to talk about immigrants. Um, so a lot of I don't know what it is statistically, but um, what? Um, 
but like I work in the hospital and we have RN, we have doctors, we have EN, like registered nurses or enrolled nurses. And then below that is the healthcare assistants. So uh, like almost 100% of healthcare assistants in hospitals in Hong Kong, like they mainly hire Chinese, like main like mainlanders because um, they won't demand like a high salary and they're like pleased with like what 10,000 a month so that industry is only dedicated for dedicated to like mainlanders and like even for construction work in Hong Kong um, there are like you don't see a lot of locals you see a lot of like black people no you don't offensive? yes you in do construction yeah no it's all Chinese Apart from the guy at the guard, the door guard, who's like Indian. There could be like Indians and like... Yeah, but they're always on the door guard. They're not doing the actual construction. Could we be like, I don't know Indian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you free to do whatever you want in Hong Kong? Yes. Uh, controlling, well, that's subjective. Um, it's like in Canada, a lot of workers are immigrants. Okay. But we're talking about the differences with um, <clears throat> social cohesion. So I, I made the point that Muslims aren't made critical of in Hong Kong because mm -hmm. they need Muslim immigrant workers to work here so that's an interesting difference because they're coming here to look after Chinese people you can't criticize literally thousands of women who come here who are Muslims to look after their babies and then ridicule them in, in the media because what kind of what kind of uh, presentation um, does that give to people inside working in Hong Kong and outside if they're looking for employment opportunities mm -hmm. they're just, just kneecapping themselves so they won't have a negative bias against Muslims. Yeah? Anyway. Mm -hmm. Your second question then. Okay. Let's move on. Okay, the second question. Asian culture is said to be less open-minded. What is your stance on that? Who says it's less open-minded? From like observation. And it's... What observations are we talking like about? Like from a local perspective then. Your perspective. You think that are less open-minded? Yeah. Um, I disagree. I think it's I think it's just a general statement made uh, towards a group of people. I think a lot of different people. I mean, if you, if you're gonna say if you're gonna say yes, how do you measure that open, uh, lack of open mindedness? How about let's get into a topic. Um, it's a really sensitive topic right now. Um, so gay marriage isn't legalized in Hong Kong. Yes, but that's not because of the people. That's because of the government uh -huh. and the church. And Most like, people favor gay marriage in Hong Kong. Okay, like so, gay marriage is like legalized in a lot of states in the U.S. and like they have like this large scale gay marriage like parades like like supporting gay rights. But we don't really have that in Hong Kong. We do have like the parades and stuff, but it's not as big as the one in the U.S. And um, there's actually news in like back in May. There are two U.S. government officials who, like, they they got married in the U.S. But then they moved to Hong Kong, and their marriage isn't recognized legally in Hong Kong. So they're not considered a couple in Hong Kong. So people are still taking away like freedom or like other people's happiness just because of their like so they're kind of like forcing their own beliefs on other people but if i wanted to marry a tree or a dog and then brought that tree or dog to hong kong 
should Hong Kong recognize my marriage uh, certificate with a tree or a dog? You can't, because if you're saying, if you're saying that they can create, uh, they, can, they can legalize gay marriage in the Western world and then bring it here, mm -hmm. that a lot of the phenomenons, a lot of the social problems that we have in the West are being imported into, the, into Asia. And then we, all, we just assume that, well, they should do it because it's the right thing to do. When you can't force change, and you have to sort of like, you know, manage it, massage it a bit, mm -hmm. and expect people to open up a little bit. Uh, for me, I'm not, and I'm not defending uh, the law where it says you can't, gay people can't get married, but you can't just say, we're married, we got married in America, and then we're gonna go to Hong Kong and expect to be living as a married couple under their law. Again, we're judging them by our standards. I know gay people here who are married, Asian people, but, and they just live with the fact that the law says they're not married, mm -hmm. but they wanted to get married anyway, and they went mm -hmm. to America to do such a thing. Mm -hmm. But again, it, it's this idea of standards. And the sad part is that the, what's infuriating for me, and it's probably infuriating for you, maybe some of the listeners, is that the arguments that they have against marriage, or even weed, it's like, well, we had that conversation in the West 20 years ago. Why are they still having it? Why haven't they learned? And obviously, there are religious interests who have their own agenda. and you know, they have sex with children and they're still doing it, but gay people can't get married. And there's this weird narrative that just flows. So it started in the West, we had those arguments, and then we solved it by legalizing it. And now you have to start again in Asia because it's a different country and you've got to mm -hmm. translate all those, all those arguments into the mainstream. So it kind of proves that everything happens. Everything starts with America. So they're more open-minded. Like they're the first like legal. Everything starts with America. Be careful now, Eunice. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so gay marriage is like legalized in America first and then other countries. In the world? I don't think it's America first, but like compared to like countries in Asia. Like Western countries kind of like start. Yes, okay, that, that's first. okay. I don't actually know which country legalized gay marriage uh -huh. first. But I don't think it was America. So Western countries, so that's already an evidence that Western countries kind of like, they're more accepting of new ideas, of like new things, of things they're, that they're not familiar with. They kind of accept that first with that attitude. And then people in the East kind of follow suit. So people in Hong Kong now are kind of fighting for like gay marriage and stuff, like other, other things that should be legalized. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's evidence that Asian countries are slower in terms of accepting new ideas and they're not really that comfortable with. Yeah, them. but it, here's one of the drastic, going back to your first question, here's one of the drastic uh, differences between the East and the West, and that's that Asian cultures are more traditional mm -hmm. and you have to abide by those traditions. The pressure on adhering to that tradition is stronger. Mm -hmm. So it does limit uh, the kind of social changes that you get in the West but I think that tradition can be preserved, but we also have to move on in order for like society to improve. You cannot force, like, you cannot say, oh, like women needs to be in the kitchen because tradition says so, like the Chinese tradition says women should be in the kitchen. So, so like, do you understand what I mean? I know what you're saying, but you know, they also say that women hold, hold up half the sky. So like there's two sides to that. <laughs> but but they don't practice what they preach because if you look at the upper echelons of the Chinese government, mm -hmm. there's hardly any women. Mm -hmm. But they still insist on saying that women hold up half the sky. But mm -hmm. in what context, right? So 
there is that so there are words and there are actions mm -hmm. and um i think again i think like it would change will come but you can't just force it just because it happened in america or it happened in europe mm -hmm. you have to have those asian people probably go to europe go to america live and breathe that culture and then go back and have carry these ideas with them Mm -hmm. You know, and they've become westernized. Mm -hmm. And some people will, will reject those Asians as being like corrupted or tainted somehow. Mm -hmm. And that conversation will be, you know, pushed. There'll be some pushback against that conversation. But the bottom line is it, the people in Hong Kong don't care about gay marriage in, in the sense that they're not against it. They don't mind it. Mm -hmm. It's just those in power. And we have to separate the people from the government. Who mm -hmm. is the one that is not open minded? Carrie Lam, the leader of Hong Kong, won't even say, the gay games. We're supposed to get the gay games very soon, the gay Olympic games. And she won't say that. She won't say the word gay. She'll say same-sex games mm -hmm. because of her Catholic faith. And so it's Catholicism that, in this case, that's holding us back. It's not the people. It's not tradition. It's this Western tradition, actually, mm -hmm. or this Western religion. Mm -hmm. so, maybe you haven't heard a lot of like Hong Kongers speaking up against gay marriage then, maybe. I've never heard any... any so you don't... I know I, loads of gays in Hong Kong, actually. Mm -hmm. But I've never heard a non-gay person say I'm against gay marriage. I'm ever. assuming that you don't read like the newspaper Apple Daily. It's not. Well, that it's all in it's all in Chinese. I can't read it. Okay. But so, I have someone translate it for me. So whenever they have news about like the U.S. legalizing gay marriage and stuff, um, there are like tons of mer tons of comments like underneath that piece of news saying, "Oh, they're discussing that shouldn't be right." Like really nasty words one apple daily is super left-wing mm -hmm. and i don't take them seriously two internet comments but internet comments that don't exist in real life they don't exist in real life though. but interesting comments are actually people's truth like in a sense because they're hiding behind right. like and their keyboards but so they'll continue to hide mm -hmm. when they're in public unless they're super militant about their particular view they'll still hide their views Mm -hmm. And actions speak louder than words. So they can say, I hate gay people, I hate black people, I hate all the immigrants coming here. But what are they actually going to do? Are they going to stand outside and protest and then show the world that they're an ignorant person? Mm -hmm. If they don't do that, then, then it's fine. They can just sit on the internet and think, oh, I'm a great keyboard warrior and I'm going to change the world through typing when that's not necessarily it, like, how movements move. How, that's not how they progress. Mm -hmm. So fuck them. Like, it's not really about, like, them being private or public about their opinions, though. I feel like even if they're, like, it gives them a sense of, like, like an, what do you say? Like, it's still what they think. Like, even if they're just hiding behind the keyboard, it's still their kind of, like, ideology. Because even when I'm in university, like, I remember when I was a freshman, um, we have this project, and it's about gay marriage and stuff, and then majority of my classmates they don't like they don't support gay marriage so a lot of them are saying that gay people shouldn't be allowed to marry because it's unnatural yeah like, but are they part are they part of the political process are they going to get in the way of change or are they just going to grumble no so it doesn't matter like, what they say it's you have allowing to, them to express their views they can express it but we have every right also not to listen mm -hmm. so they're not going to do anything. They're just complaining. So they're just talking to the wind. Mm -hmm. They're just talking to talking to the Twitter Twitterati or the Facebookers. Doesn't matter who's in charge. Who really needs uh, our opinions on issues, and who can actually make a change? You speak, mm -hmm. especially in America, you speak to your congressperson or your you know your elected representative, and petition them. You don't speak to your grandma, who you know it, it has full of 
uh, these ideas that mm -hmm. are outdated, what's she going to do? She's mm -hmm. going to sit in a rocking chair and just complain. And this is the person you want to take on. You have to divert your energy to where it's the most worthwhile. And if there's hundreds, it doesn't matter if there's thousands of people all complaining, if they don't stand up and do something about it, then it's just wasted hot air, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So, what's <laughs> Don't forget to also look at my camera. Okay. Okay, so. <laughs> so this nice lady is saying the people and the politicians of China don't like gay marriage. That would be generalization, though. Um, you have to understand, but then you have to understand that China has a very strict sort of idea of what it means to be Chinese. They've just banned rap music because it's an imported type of culture. And they say mm -hmm. this is not Han Chinese. And they want to try and keep their ideas pure. But from our point of view, it looks like they're limiting freedoms. And they are limiting freedoms of expression because they mm -hmm. only want people to express themselves in a very narrow sort of definition of what it is to be Chinese. And mm -hmm. they're being socially engineered to not do certain things and to do certain things. It's, it's, it's so different over there mm -hmm. in mainland China. Mm -hmm. Maybe I worded this question, Asian cultures are less open-minded because I've been to like Canada before and then I've experienced their open-mindedness. That's why I feel like Asian cultures are like less open-minded. Um, are they though? I mean, look at it from a compared, different way. Okay, look at it this to, way. Uh, I can go to France and I'm white and the France will hate my guts. The French will hate my guts because I'm speaking English. Or if I speak French and it's not very good, they'll still ridicule me. Mm -hmm. If I go to Vietnam and I barely speak a lick of Vietnamese, people will still want my attention. Obviously they might want my money, but, they're, but what is that open-mindedness? Are we, are we gonna be cynical and say, well, they only want it for the money? Or are we gonna say they're genuinely open to, inter to, to new ideas mm -hmm. from people coming? Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, not new ideas, to new people coming to their country. New ideas, I think. No, new, no, I mean, no, ideas is the wrong thing because I'm not sharing ideas. I'm sharing, mm -hmm. I'm sharing my time with them. So they're going to be proud to want to say, oh, uh, you, you should try this or you should try that. You should go there. You should do this. Mm -hmm. Right? And I don't speak their language, which the French would consider insulting, for example. I'm using French as a very uh, mm -hmm. extreme example, but maybe from the French, there's a level of complacency there, whereas in the Asian countries, uh, not necessarily just China, because I don't want to talk about just China because you said Asian anyway and China doesn't represent the whole of Asia, mm -hmm. but they welcome outsiders. So their attitudes towards like foreigners and stuff. Is I think mm -hmm. is much more civil, much more polite, much more warm and friendly. Mm -hmm. then, you look at, then you look at the Japanese who are known for being notoriously super polite and over, over helpful. Taiwan is super progressive now mm -hmm. and they're trying to set themselves up as differently. And they had a change of government because the young people said, we don't want to be part of mainland China. And they have a new government, a new party in, mm -hmm. who's a female, female president. And they're going to legalize gay marriage. Mm -hmm. they're, the, they're the first Asian country to do this. And they're doing it in such a way that they're drawing attention to their culture and country. Because mm -hmm. China is always trying to like, you know, hide them and say, this isn't actually another country. It's, it's actually part of China. Mm -hmm. And Taiwan's like, no. So they're fighting against themselves in one sense. Mm -hmm. But by opening themselves up, they're getting attention, which China can't compete with. Mm -hmm economically or militarily or culturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people. French feel threatened by outside culture. Asians want to share it. I mean, if you want to go back on the, on the open-mindedness question, you have to be careful of, this is something that I try to do on my Periscope and on my YouTube, and that's distance, distance myself from American media. Because American media seems to envelop 
the whole world. Everyone seems to know what's happening in America, but no one seems to know what's happening in America, outside of America. Mm -hmm. And what is the narrative in America might not necessarily apply here. So like the word oriental, you can use that word here. Mm -hmm. People don't care. It's not, a, it's not a negative word. But you try and discuss this with Americans online especially, and they will argue the merits of it being a negative word. And it's like, but it's on the fucking street signs. Mm -hmm. you, they're using it. They might not use it in reference to one another, but they use it to describe location and, and shops. Mm -hmm. It's a common word. Imagine if you went to somewhere in, in uh, Africa and black people had the N-word on shop signs. I would love to see that because black people are using that word in a positive or neutral context. Mm -hmm. And what would white people say? And in many cases, a lot, of, a lot of the white people that are getting upset at the moment from America and they're very close-minded to this idea that, no, 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 this word, this word means this in America and it's a negative meaning and so it means this outside of America. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So shut up mm -hmm. with this closed-minded attitude because you don't want to see a positive representation of mm -hmm. whatever is negative in your culture. Mm -hmm. And even that the young lady who, did you, did you hear about that young lady who was wearing a Chinese dress and she was doing vape signs? No. And everybody online on Twitter especially was saying, oh, she's being disrespectful to Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. And everyone in China's like, but she's showing our dress. She's wearing our clothing. She's showing the world how beautiful our clothing is. Mm -hmm. How is it disrespectful? Mm -hmm. They're asking Chinese people this. And it was actually woke Asians in America getting upset, uh, probably just virtue signaling, and white people jumping in saying, yeah, you're, you're criticizing and you're, you're getting upset. At, sorry, you're... you're insulting Chinese culture and yet if you come to Hong Kong you can buy that dress in the tourist markets because they want to sell you their culture and if you use it then it's like you're a bad person it's it's ridiculous so in some sense Asian people are much more open-minded especially in, in these social conversations that they're not they're not having mm -hmm. because they're indifferent to a lot of things and it's uh, Westerners that are sort of maybe pretending or they're anticipating outrage and they want to defend Asians on their behalf it's, it's, so it, they have their own ideas of what's wrong and right. Well, of course they do, but, but they're not getting upset at all the little things that probably everyone else is doing, probably because they live in a more, uh, in a society that gives them more of the comforts. You know, if you, if you, like if you live in Syria, you're not going to think about gay rights. Mm -hmm. You're going to think about where your next meal comes and whether you're going to die tonight. Mm -hmm. That's what they think about. And then... If you're, in a, if you're in a country that has no war, then you're going to think about, well, I can't get enough petrol. There's not enough food in the supermarket. It, it's relative to where you live. Mm -hmm. So in America, where you have supermarkets, you don't have war. You don't have any great upset. You look for the next thing to get upset. And psychologically, it, it's been proven that we do tend to focus on the negative. So we're then going to see this girl, this young pretty girl, in wearing an Asian dress. And we think, oh, my God, Asians are going to get upset, so I'm going to get upset for them and mm -hmm. make it an issue. And the Chinese mm -hmm. are like, what? What's going on? Fuck it. Having moved from Britain to Hong Kong, do you think there's a huge transition in terms of lifestyle and culture that you've needed to adapt? Short answer, no. Mm -hmm. Just that? No, no, I haven't had to adapt at all, but I know that I would do if I lived in mainland China. Mm -hmm. But do you think that in terms of like lifestyle and culture, like the pace no, the culture or... around me is different mm -hmm. yes but my lifestyle isn't different i'm living the same way as i was doing in the united kingdom do you think we're like we live like a british style of like lifestyle here no but yeah, i do, do we have that mm -hmm. i don't think you do maybe you want a western like uh, american western lifestyle mm -hmm. um but i i just live the way i live and 
Of course, I might go to a Chinese restaurant, but we had Chinese restaurants in the UK. Not as good, obviously, but we still have particular Asian things in the UK that, mm -hmm. that I can get here and the same British food that I can get here. Um, I never went to Hong Kong, but get the vibe is British. Someone there's an undercurrent. There's like we have British law. They drive on the on the British way on the left side. Um, we have we queue up for things because I guess the British taught them that. And the mainland Chinese don't queue up so much. They have to kind of learn that. Um, the food is British. We have British supermarkets. The only thing that was really a mo any any kind of culture shock was the fact that there was a lot of American products here. A lot of American. Uh, shops as well, mm -hmm. and that surprised me. Compar compared yeah. to like mainland China. You even still have the Queen's head on some of the Hong Kong coins. Yeah. Okay, are we done with that? I am if you are. Okay. I haven't really needed to adapt to anything. Okay, the fourth one. But, I don't have to learn Chinese. And you can still get by. And no one gets offended uh -huh. by that. Because everyone in Hong Kong, like, so we have this thing in Hong Kong among locals that if you speak fluent English without an accent or without any grammatical error, you are superior to other locals here. So if you are American or British coming to Hong Kong and then you just speak English, you can totally get by without any difficulties. Um, I'll do it too. Okay. But if you're Asian, you go to America, you're expected to learn the language. Yeah. And don't get offended. Whereas in Asia, in Hong Kong especially, they don't. Mm -hmm. So again, I think we'll keep the repeating, difference. going back and adding to your first question, because there are some instances where Asians just don't seem to care and they'll just deal with the fact that mm -hmm. someone doesn't speak their language. I know you're going to disagree on that. That's why I put it there. Are you so, sure? Uh -huh. I know that you're not going to agree with that. Um, but um, conformity denotes a lack of individuality and innovation. To what extent do you agree with this statement? Um, well, you're not, you're not saying, it's a super general question. Are we still talking about Asian culture? There's no limit to like what you can answer. Because we could, we could point that question at any other culture and say they're conforming to an idea that, that is wrong. How about we stay in like the Asian culture? Okay. Uh -huh. Maybe I'll save that question and ask you. Ask it. Ask it you back. Okay. Um, uh, conformity denotes a lack of individuality and innovation. So you're saying that people aren't individual here. Aren't a bunch of in, a bunch of individuals. So they don't not that, but they don't allow you to be. They don't really allow you to be yourself. Um, in what way, other than being not allowed to be gay? Not publicly. Allowed. Well, yeah, actually, you can be gay publicly. You can be gay publicly. I've seen men hold hands on the street. Or, as well as women. okay, I'm a girl and I'm going to talk about this. Um, conformity, so I wear, so this is considered heavy makeup in Hong Kong. You don't see a lot of people with this much makeup. But like in the US, this is like so normal. Like you can just be yourself. They consider makeup as art, like it's a way of expressing yourself. But in Hong Kong, like I go to school like that and my classmates would be like, oh, that's too much highlight, that's too much contour. Like, you shouldn't do that. Like, girls should be subtle and they should be elegant. So there's this idea of what girls should be like in public. So they want me to like kind of conform to that idea. They want to shape me into something they want me to be. But that's, that's with I mean. any culture. But with Hong Kong culture and spe specifically, yes, you're right. There is this idea that women should be something. Mm -hmm. But I've met enough women to know that a lot of them 
um, one don't wear makeup they don't even shave their legs mm -hmm. okay but then you're you're are you saying but actually using your point do you think you're losing your individuality because you're wearing makeup I don't think are you I'm saying I don't are you think sa but when I'm you put it on are you are you acknowledging that you're becoming less you and you become we're becoming more of that I whatever that think, beauty standard is I don't I don't really conform like but I do feel this pressure of people like when I put on makeup every day I know that I'm gonna go to school and someone is gonna comment on my makeup that's not really a big issue but you you notice that like every day when someone says oh like your highlight is so heavy today so you feel this pressure of being caged in a box that you like they want to shape you into something that so don't wear makeup but I love makeup, so now you're asking me to conform to that idea. But oh, well, you're the one. Not you're, no, I'm not asking you to conform. I'm just suggesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to not wear makeup. I know. <laughs> um, but like, what if, like, makeup kind of makes me feel more confident. Um, but are you losing your individuality? Individuality. What if my individuality only comes out when I'm confident, and I'm confident because I wear makeup? Okay, then you've answered your own question. If it comes to conformity and where and people want to be individual, mm -hmm. but there's only so so many permutations of a person, mm -hmm. and we only allow certain. Like I can't walk down the street wearing pink. I can I can't wear a pink suit because I'll be ridiculed. They're like, look at this gimp. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we sort of unconsciously conform to a dress standard, mm -hmm. a code of conduct. Mm -hmm. We don't allow all sorts of free expression, even though we say we allow free expression. We don't. Mm -hmm. Is anybody walking around just in just in like a, a bathing suit just for the fun of it, even mm -hmm. though they're not bathing? Mm -hmm. But that's different though, because in the US you see a lot of male YouTubers. Yeah, male. that's on YouTube though, and you're doing it. What who you are on camera is not who you are in real life. No, do you know who? Like so not really the thing, but no, don't don't jump around. Stick mm -hmm. stick to the idea of like what would you wear that would be unacceptable, and why isn't at least one person mad enough to do that? outside mm -hmm. of a fancy dress night or Halloween? I feel like a person should be able to wear whatever they want. Like I can, like why do, why do we create clothes? Like I can be walking around the streets naked and there shouldn't be a problem. It's just this society's idea that it's giving you the idea that, oh, it's wrong to expose your body. Like it's society's expectation, like the rules that you have to follow. Ultimately, I think none of us are truly individual because we've already conformed. Anybody here, I would assume, is over 18. Um, we have already conformed to such a degree and we've all lost our individuality to a, to a certain degree. And we would be in denial of that. But so for, example, for example, my hair, okay, by the way, I'm bald on top. If I didn't conform, I just wouldn't shave it. And I'll just let it grow and it would be like, look like I was some sort of Chernobyl victim where they got clumps of hair. Mm -hmm. But I decided to conform and look at least more presentable. I've lost my individuality. That idea never came to my mind. It only comes now with this conversation. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that original idea. Maybe other people might do that, but they haven't. So do you think that conformity also means like it's actually detrimental to yes. one's own development? But we're, but we're all... We're all uh, in, in this detrimental sort of state. Mm -hmm. None of us are 100% open to individuality. You mentioned last time, I'm actually surprised that you're taking like, on this stance because last time you mentioned that conformity means survival. So you kind of think that conformity yeah. is a good thing. Conformity, no, I'm not saying it's a good thing. 
It's, it's both. It can be both things. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be black and white, but conformity is a survival skill. We want to be friends with other people. And so if I look like a fucking weirdo, people are like, I don't want, I don't want to be with this guy. He looks, just looks weird. Why is he, why is he not, why doesn't he cut his hair? Why don't, why does he let his fingernails grow? Just, just little things like that I'm just talking about. Mm -hmm. Why does he wear, why does he always wear fucking pink all the time, every day? Everything, let's pretend I had a pink fetish. People would like take issue with those things because they're slightly different to what we expect from people, mm -hmm. right? And so we all have conformed already. As soon as we you know, leave kindergarten, we're conforming and we've lost our individuality, but then we think we're all individuals. But at the same time, conformity is a survival skill. We don't wanna be ostracized. So we're social creatures. We do not want to be a loner. A lot mm -hmm. of us don't want to be a loner. We want to have friends. And you can die if you don't have social comforts with other people. Mm -hmm. So it can be both things, but at the same time, conformity is, um, conformity is something that we created because we want to sort of like look at the other person and judge them by, again, by our standards. If we didn't judge each other and we accepted everything, we'd conform in different ways. But maybe the way we express ourselves would be so free. Mm -hmm. the, the, per the, the permutations would be unimaginable. But I feel like conformity also, it hints a sense of imprisonment in my yeah, of course it does. Opinion. But I feel like if you want to improve that situation, if you want to change that, so that's what they're doing now in the US. Like I'm so westernized, I'm brainwashed, like I'm whitewashed. But um, I feel like why, why do people have to conform in order to survive? Why can't we change society's expectation of people? If you get what I mean. Yeah, but then you're just going to be in the same situation as like trying to implement gay marriage. We have our beliefs, we have our histories, mm -hmm. and any sort of non-conformity conflicts with our histories. I feel like tradition is necessary, like it's important. Well, it provides structure. You need some kind of structure. But you can also, you can, you can like preserve that tradition, but at the same time move on, like you can improve. Yeah, but we're also an attention society. So if your attention is not on God and it's on dressing in pink all the time, mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm using that as an example, or I want, you know, you have a bathing suit fetish. I don't know. Whatever that is, you're taking your attention off God. And there are people in this world who want your attention on God because they have your attention. So you're always going to have that conflict, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> what about the people? Then? And that's nothing about Asian culture. That's endemic to all cultures. That's interesting, though. We can move on to the next one if you want. I don't have a lot to say about this one, so... Really? Yeah. It really touches on the topic of gender roles. Okay, maybe, maybe I will then. Ask, okay. ask the question. Okay, the fifth one. Stay-at-home moms are usually considered normal, but stay-at-home dads are usually criticized as being weak. What is your take on that? Again, we're judging people by certain standards, but these ones just seem to, seem to be gender-specific standards. Mm -hmm. Wait, <laughs> can you like elaborate on that? I can elaborate. Well, we just, we just judge each other like, how many male nurses do you know? In my class, there are 120 nursing students, but only like 12 or 13 are male. And so how, what do you think about that 10%? I think... Do you think they're gay? No. I would assume they're gay. I, I, because I'm close-minded. I so admire them for taking on this career because they're obviously gonna have like less career opportunities because they're male like it gives them they might have more career opportunities they might it it but it also kind of gives them this disadvantage in this like nursing field because 
you cannot work in like female departments and stuff. Right, but females can't work in male departments. Yes, we can. Opinion? Yeah. Like, they, so they have like mixed wards or like female and male wards. Okay. So, like, male nurses normally only work in like male wards. They only treat like male patients. Well, that's that's a problem that, I I, I don't know how you're going to solve that problem because that's super niche Mm -hmm. of a problem. And it takes a lot of people to want to sort of... uh, Conform to the idea of a man looking after their grandma who might diddle them in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then they're losing their individuality. Surely, if they have a male teacher, a male nurse put on them. Mm-hmm. I want a female. No, we haven't got any. We've only got a male. Mm-hmm. I feel like people might need to change though. Like it's okay to have preferences, you know. Is it preference? But there's a fine line between preference and discrimination. Would you think? Uh, yes, but what can you do about it? Again, like people need to be open-minded. Yeah, like there's this thing um, about like I'm not gonna go back to that, but I'm gonna talk about um, like people perspective need to change. So uh, uh, before you like, move on, before you move on, let's answer this question specifically about okay. stay-at-home dads. Okay. Um, my dad was cheated on okay. by my mom. Okay, uh-huh. two times. And then he took responsibility of my of me and my sister. Mm-hmm. My mum didn't. Mm-hmm. So we were a single parent family. My dad looked after me while he went to work. So my opinions on a stay-at-home man aren't negative whatsoever because I was raised by a man who basically had to stay at home when he mm-hmm. wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And he had sacrificed. He made sacrifices. And I think people should, they should take stock of what's happening. I was only reading today, actually, about a man who was shaving on the New York subway. And... He went viral because someone videoed him and then all these people made judgments and then the article I read was trying to address these judgments and let people know that this man is actually homeless and he didn't have time to to shave at his home Mm -hmm. and he was going to a job interview and people are shaming him saying he's a scruff and you're fat and you're ugly it's like this is a guy who's who's homeless he doesn't want to tell people he's homeless Mm -hmm. so we know nothing about these people why are we judging them so you need to know the backstory before you really judge someone. Uh, people shouldn't need to know the backstory. People should, just shouldn't judge whether a man stays at home or not to look after his children. Mm-hmm. What's what's a, what, if you look at if you look at it like if you say right, there's judgment to be had on that man. Why he's doing something wonderful for his children. Mm-hmm. He's brought two people into the world. Let's pretend he's got two children, and now he loves them so much that he will stay at home and look after them. Mm-hmm. How is he? How is he? How is he not a man in that sense? Because people will judge his masculinity. Mm-hmm. But get this for an idea: gay men are true masculine men. People could don't like that idea. And you could say, well, why is a gay man more of a man than a heterosexual man? And that's because a gay man fought for his freedoms. Mm-hmm. And as soon as gay men started to fight for their freedoms, some of them died, some of them were shot, because you know being gay in the army in the 1940s was a dangerous thing. But people still came out and said, I'm gay. And someone argued, I can't remember the quote, but they are more of a man than heterosexual men because they stood up for what they believed in. Mm-hmm. And they pioneered a different kind of sexual revolution. But once that happened, heterosexuals were like, hang on, all the gays are having fun. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for that. And you have this fallout effect of all these other different movements because of gay culture standing up for itself, gay men standing up for themselves. So for me, I, I don't look at men stay-at-home dads in that kind of way that maybe you're anticipating is in there like they're somehow weaker mm-hmm. when that's not how I would judge masculinity I feel like we all have like different definitions of what masculinity is like for me I feel like it doesn't masculinity doesn't mean that a man should be strong like muscular 
and like protect women. That's the really traditional and like backward idea. I feel like a man who stands up for himself or like people are like men shouldn't be allowed to cry. Men should be tough, like emotionally. And yeah, but then, who does that help? Doesn't help the woman because then he's in a relationship where he's not allowed to express himself. And so the woman might get frustrated in that relationship. I feel like so, men should be allowed to express his emotions, just like women. Like, there, there should be a gender, like it's like gender equality. Like, why can a man do these things? It doesn't. If a man cries, it means that he's human. It doesn't mean that he's less of a man if he expresses his emotions. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. That's that's fine. I think the ultimate theme behind this whole conversation is that people should be just less judgmental. And be kinder to one another mm -hmm. and you'd solve half these problems or half these issues that we're having if we just keep an open mind mm -hmm. all of us and like for stay stay at home moms i feel like women are as capable as men in like the working field all of them be careful now all um, working fields but then it, it's the same like with some working fields men may like if you're putting it like that then of course yeah but there are because there are physical limitations yeah of both, course physically men and women are different but I feel like if a woman wants to work wants to work in this field and if she's equally capable as a man then she should get paid the same and even if she has a husband that's like earning like a lot then like she shouldn't feel the need or she shouldn't feel like oh like there's no need for me to work anymore because my husband is earning so much like he's gonna support me yeah, but someone but again that's, that's choice if some women don't want to work they don't want to work a lot of hong kong women don't work i i work as a private private tutor primarily and most of the people that i'm interacting with is the woman because she's looking after the children but she, that means she also has the purchasing power more than the man the man might earn the money but she gets to spend it where's the power Who's got the power there? But then the man needs to give the women his money. That's what I'm them. saying. So who has the who has the power? So there's like she gets to stay at home. He has to go and work. He has to separate himself from the children. She gets to be with the children, decide on her children's future, and she gets to take her husband's wages if she needs to buy things. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything negative about the woman. Just in all practical concerns, that she gets to decide where that money goes. Who has the power in that relationship, really? I would say the woman. It would be idealistic though if the husband is like if the husband really loves the women like and not cheat on like his wife. But Why are we talking about cheating? What? It's totally different. But like think about that. What if the marriage fails then? Like if the One. marriage fails, then the women like the women will lose like all financial power. Right. Like it would put her in a like disadvantage. Possibly, but in, in Asia, there's a great shame in, in uh, getting divorced. Mm -hmm. So they tend not to do it, do they? And in fact, China is now putting up legal burden, legal uh, obstacles so that people don't get uh, uncoupled. What's the word? Divorced. Mm -hmm. We're kind of moving away from the question. <laughs> but like, what I'm, what I'm saying was like, um, why, like, if women are allowed to be like in the kitchen then why like if men are put in the kitchen then why why are men judged like do you understand like oh, it's so hard who's doing the judging where are we talking now if it's about america 
then I'm not really an expert on that. How about like Asian culture? Like in, even in Hong Kong, if you're a mom and you stay at home, that's Do you normal. know when you stay at home dads in, in Asia? Nope. Okay. Like I don't know any any dads who like... Who so like where is this coming from then? Where does this question come from? Just of what, somewhere that you've read? Yeah. Okay. Like my interest basically. Okay. Um, but it's actually a thing. Remember, the media has this great ability to have laser-like focus on a topic and because you read it on The Verge, you read it on the New York Times, you think, oh, this is an issue. And it's not. It's just mm -hmm. that two people decided to write about it. If you look at the writers of the article, it's maybe it's a man on one website and there's a woman on the other. It's just two people talking about it. Is it a thing? Not really. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any man... But if you really get into that, it's about gender equality and gender, gender stereotypes. Yeah, but it could be an example that's not applicable. Okay. Um, you could, why don't you, why don't, before you get to a man staying at home, what about talking about, say, the difference between the expectations between men and women when it comes to dating? Why is it, why is it the man that has to be older than the woman? It's a preference. Right? It's a preference, but it's also, it's expected. Women want an older man. Women want a man who earns more. Not all of them. For various reasons. No, but no, it's a general idea that okay. is in the majority view. That, mm -hmm. Or even, what about tall? People want, women want a tall man. They can't have a short man. These are better examples. Because a man can't change his height. Mm -hmm. But I would be a piece of shit. It, people would treat me as a piece of shit if I said, well, I'm only looking for women who are 45 kilos. Mm -hmm. But a woman can say, I want a man who's over six foot. Mm -hmm. So that removes all the men possible who are under six foot. They can't change their height, but a woman can change her weight. Mm -hmm. So if a woman can ask for an attribute that's fixed, why can't I be asked for an attribute that can be defined, redefined? Mm -hmm. But this is a whole other discussion we should save for another episode. Yeah.